the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Partners in the Gospel. I'm your host, Chaim Goldman, The Watchman. On Partners in the Gospel, we talk with ministry leaders, pastors, other local community members, as well as national influencers who are making a kingdom impact in our region and around the country. We are here on 100.7 FM, The Word, and also on podcast at the Word FM 1007. Com. On today's program, we have Pastor Joe Grosjean, a new pastor in town with a great testimony and a new church plant. And in our second segment, nationally known author, public speaker, and historian Bill Federer will be our guest. You're going to want to stick around for that interview because he's talking about why silence equals consent and how we as Christians can and must get our voice back. Well, Pastor Joe Grosjean, welcome to Partners in the Gospel. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be here, and, and I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're, we're happy to have you here, Joe. Pastor Joe Grosjean grew up in Long Island as a commercial fisherman, or Long Island as a commercial fisherman. He's a realtor, a lawyer, and as a young man, he was radically saved in prison. Wow, we got a big story going on here. And he now pastors a new church plant in Monument, called Family Life Church, and we'll be talking today about establishing families in the gospel. Well, Joe, as as we heard just from that brief bio, you have a diverse story. Tell us about your background uh, and your prison salvation experience. Well, thanks again. Uh, Hiram, growing up in New York, Long Island, yeah, we used to talk like this. Before I moved away, we learned to speak a little better. Um, but I was adopted into a family as a young man, uh, as a baby, actually, um, at commercial fisherman family at 15, I got into trouble. I got into, um, drugs and theft, um, which followed us then moving to Florida, started to get in a lot of trouble with the law, um, and wound up in jail. Uh, the judges got tired of looking at my face and said, here, go away. I didn't do very long. Uh, but I was in about six months and inside I met Christ. Well, tell us about that. How was your? How did that come about? Uh, I was <laughs> I, 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 a few years before. I was in a in a house. We were going to smoke something with some with some people, and uh, we didn't have anything to roll up what we were going to smoke. Um, uh, we were going to use Bible paper, and I was raised in a very traditional um, uh, background. And I thought, well, you don't. Well, I'm not reading the Bible, but I don't want to. <laughs> tear it up either. So I said, I took the Bible and said, no, we'll go get something to roll it with. Um, and I, I, I held the Bible up and I said, God, give me the opportunity to read this book. I said, preferably not jail, but whatever it takes. I'm not really sure what I was thinking, Heim, but careful I'm, what you I'm, pray for. that's exactly right. A couple of years later, here I am, I'm sitting in a jail cell and about three weeks in after my mind started to clear up and I started to get dried out, I'd see Bibles on carts go by or on people's bunks. And I and this this phrase kept coming to me. You promised you'd read it. So finally, I picked one up and I picked up the King James and started at the beginning like any book. And it was horrible. I couldn't understand anything. So I said, God, if you want me to read this, give me some understanding. And another inmate came through and he had an NIV. And I asked him about it. He said, 
here, read this. Don't change. Don't read this unless you're willing to change your life. And I said, give me that book. I know about you. You're going to get revenge on people. Just give me that book. <laughs> I started reading it. Uh, I devoured it. Two months in, um, I was sitting on my bunk and it was a mid August hot day in Florida. And I threw the bunk, the, the, the Bible on the bunk and I stood up and put my hands up and I said, Jesus, I messed up everything. Can you fix me? I'm so sorry. And I waited there for about 30 seconds, had my eyes closed and opened one to check if anything was happening. And then all of a sudden, I just felt such a warmth and such a presence. My face just kind of was tingling and I was free. I felt like a thousand pounds I didn't know I was carrying came off my shoulders. Um, and so that was my introduction to Jesus. I didn't serve him very well immediately, but I knew him and I was changed forever. So, Joe, uh, you and I and a lot of people are sort of immigrants to Colorado. We've come here over the years. I've been here about five years. There's a lot of people here. What, what's your backstory on getting here? What, what happened after this salvation experience, and, and how did you end up being called to Colorado Springs area? So, at the time I was in Florida, I was released. I went to work in our family business. Um, my father passed away shortly after that. My mom and I were running a small fish house, mom and pop shop in Florida. Um, and I knew I, I didn't want to do that forever. So uh, my mom and I ran it for a few years, sold the business. I went to Bible school um, and, and then started traveling, did ministry, went back to Bible school after a few years, did another, another year, met my wife, um, back to Florida. In the meantime, I'm a realtor. I went to law school. Uh, you know, I, 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 <laughs> You know, you're, checked you're, a lot of boxes. You're if going you over those things really quick, but uh, they were, yeah. you know, they were intense. I went to law school as a grown up. I, I, I took my family. Um, I went to law school with three kids, came back with four, and then we had two more after that. So we've got a, a large family. Um, and started in Florida, getting settled. Things are moving along. We're in church, um, and we're a part of the ministry there. And God starts calling us to Colorado, and we said, "No way!" But we want to do what God wants, but we were settled. Um, so we started praying about it, bought an old RV, drove out to see the area. Uh, I had lived out here briefly in, in the mid-2000s in Larkspur and loved it. Um, we came out for a mini vacation and loved it. Uh, went back to Florida, sold our house. Uh, my firm that I practice law at is a larger firm. It lets me practice remotely. Um, so it was a, it's a wonderful tent-making uh, situation. And so we... Sold everything, and here we are. We, we, uh, we moved out about a year and a half ago. Well, wonderful. Welcome out here. You have a large family. Your heart is for families. Tell us about that. What, what is your, your focus? You know, focus on the family is here, but your focus is on the family. What, what is it that you feel that you're bringing to, to the ministry out here in Colorado Springs? Sure, thanks. Um, well, my, we are a yours, mine, and ours situation. Um, I have two grown daughters, three grandbabies. Um, both girls are married, and my wife uh, had a two-year-old when we met. Um, he's now 17, and we have five more children together. So the importance of family, children, and any any role that you're at in that, in that lineup, whether you're a young sibling, an older sibling, a father, a mother, a, you know, a, um, a, a grandparent, um, we see the value and the importance. We have three generations. My mom actually lives with us as well. So we have three generations in our home. Um, we love people. We love family. And, and we think there is such an attack on the family and society as a whole today. 
And so we want to minister to people, whether they are a part of a family or not, we want to minister to them and let them know they can be a part of a marvelous family in God, that, that Jesus Christ came, that they can be a part of an eternal family that begins here. And not only that, we want to help them develop and find out all they are in Christ. Um, and so that's our goal. We want to, we want to support young parents or parents that are, that have, you know, uh, teenagers that are, you know, playing sports and doing whatever they're doing and young toddlers when we have a, we have a three year old and we have a 17 year old, everything in between. Um, so we can relate in many situations and, and even, and, and empathize where we can't. And so we just want to be a support and a help to, to, for people to find their place in Christ. Well, excellent. Well, this is Family Life Church, which is in Monument. The website is familylifechurchcolorado.com. What are some of the challenges that you see in in pastoring an entire family? Um, finding the, the different dynamics, helping people reach their potential at their level, and tailoring things specific. So because we have such a, a broad age group, if you will, um, something for older people that makes them feel viable, makes them feel important, that they still have a purpose. And I say all the time to some of our elderly people, if you're still here, God has a marvelous plan for you, and we need what you have, because you've lived a lifetime, and the wisdom that you can impart to us, we need. The younger people have to see us ministering and taking care and and gleaning from our older folks. And for the younger people that have all the energy and have all the answers, I just say, Calm down just a little bit, slow down just a hair, listen to some people that are ahead of you, and you'll find such wisdom and strength in that, and you'll go so much further. One of the things we like to say, and my mother-in-law um, actually said this, I, I say that in, in kind to her she, if she ever hears this, but um, <laughs> that we want our children and we want to see people learn the big mis- uh, uh, learn the big lessons on the little things. So make the mistakes on the little areas of life and learn those big lessons so they don't have to go out and end up in prison or end up in a relationship that they're not supposed to be in. Um, and God can help them navigate that. So that's our, that's our hope is to, to, to see people come to who they, they are, really develop their own relationship with Christ so that they can be who, who God's called them to be. Well, wonderful. When do you meet? Uh, we meet Sunday mornings at 1030. We have a, a Thursday night. It's a, a, a prayer group where we just kind of get together and we'll sing some, you know, have, have a little sing, a little worship, and, and some prayer um, at 6 o'clock on Thursday as well. Okay, well, wonderful. Well, if if you are not part of a, a church right now, you're looking for a church family, you're a family that's looking for a place that specifically caters to families, uh, check out FamilyLifeChurchColorado.com, FamilyLifeChurchColorado.com, and Pastor Joe Grosjean. And Gro- Joe and Alexa. My wife's Joe- name is uh, is Alexa. So <laughs> the device is, we don't have one because it doesn't work well in my house. So, um, Okay. Well, Joe, thank you. Thank you for being on Partners in the Gospel today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, coming up after the break on Partners in the Gospel, you're going to want to stick around for this. We have nationally known author, public speaker, and historian Bill Federer as our guest. And he's going to be speaking about why silence equals consent and how we as Christians can and must get our voice back. I'm Haim Goldman. 
And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Haim Goldman, The Watchman, new host of Partners in the Gospel on The Word, 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. Would you like to suggest a ministry leader, pastor, or other member of our community who is making a true kingdom impact to be a guest on Partners in the Gospel program? Maybe even suggest yourself. Well, we'd love to hear from you. Please call me, Haim Goldman, at Salem Media Group at 719-388-0386. That's 719-388-0386. Welcome back to Partners in the Gospel. I'm your host, Haim Goldman, The Watchman. And as promised, joining us in the second half of our program is author, public speaker, and historian Bill Federer. And, uh, you know, get ready because this comes fast and furious when Bill is teaching. Bill Federer, welcome to Partners in the Gospel. Hey, great to be with you, Ian. Uh, it's great to have you here, Bill. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, Bill Federer, if you don't know, is a nationally known author and public speaker, a former congressional candidate in Missouri, board member of the local Truth and Liberty Coalition out of Karis, and he is passionate, very passionate about educating Americans about our unique heritage as a nation and holding on to it. <laughs> We're going to be talking today about how silence equals consent. And this is based on a teaching that you just did here in town. And uh, this is going to be very challenging because we think that we're polite. We think we're being noble. But Bill has a different take on that, especially for Christians, but all Americans. Bill Federer, give give us some more about your background. How did How did you get to this place where you're traveling around and reminding Americans who America and what America is? Well, um, my dad was a historian attorney and grew up with history. And then uh, back in 1994, published my first book, and it's called America's God and Country. It's an encyclopedia of quotations. And uh, Focus on the Family sold probably 200,000 copies oh my, of wow. it, went on to sell a half a million copies. And that opened the door for me to do about uh, 30 different books so far. And I do a daily TV show called Faith in History on the TCT Network and a radio spot called American Minute. And then I send out a free daily email called American Minute uh, that they can sign up for listeners at uh, AmericanMinute.com. But I've spoken in every one of the 50 states, by the grace of God, and just trying to. uh, There's a great quote from Arthur Schlesinger, Jr., who was a Pulitzer Prize winning historian on John F. Kennedy's staff. And the quote is, history is to the nation what memory is to the individual. So have you ever met an individual who has lost their memory? (laughs) Maybe they have Alzheimer's. It's really sad. My mother-in-law had Alzheimer's. I remember talking to her one time for like a half an hour. And then she looks up at me at the end and she says, Bill? It's like Mm -hmm. the whole time I was talking to her, she didn't know who I was. And then Mm -hmm. finally she clicked. And I thought, you know, sometimes when I share the history stories, people get this little look in their eye like, that's who we are as Americans. That's that's what America's all about. And, and, and you don't know that unless you know the history. So one of the projects I did is I read through every single century of recorded human history and to find out what the most common form of government is. And it begins around 3300 B.C. is when writing was invented. And the most common form of government is kings. Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Tsar. And as the centuries go on, the kingdoms get bigger until finally the king of England had the biggest. Mm-hmm. He was a globalist. The sun never set on the British Empire. He was a one-world government guy. America's founders didn't like that. They broke away and flipped it and made the people the king. So the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. So in America, you get to be the king of your life and with a little K. And then all of us together are the king of the country. It is a bottom-up form of government that is unique where all the other forms of government are top down. 
mm-hmm. Pharaoh, Caesars, Kaisers, and they all, you have to obey them out of fear because they have an army that they can kill you. And they, and they have mandates. And so people realize, well, what makes America great is you get to be in charge of your life and all of us together are in charge of the country. Except we've seemingly forgotten that. So what has made Christians and other Americans of conscience go silent in this country? Yeah, this is an interesting question. So um, the Calvinist Puritans of the 1600s had a novel form of government called the covenant. And the word federal is Latin. It means covenant. And it's a way for us to rule ourselves without a king. And the colonial founders borrowed the idea from ancient Israel that first 400 years out of Egypt before King Saul. They had a covenant form of government, Mm -hmm. right? There was no king for 400 years. And so that is what was colonial New England that became our constitution. And everybody's involved. And then in the 1700s, you have revivalists, pietists saying, no, no, it's more than a a plan as good as the plan is. You have to have an experience with Jesus. And when you do, your life will change. And you won't do worldly things you used to do, like go to bars and brothels and loot theater and get involved in government. Wait, what was that last thing? Yeah, government. So full of worldly people. If you're really Christian, you won't be involved. And so it turned into the German concept of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the church, the two don't touch. And four centuries of that in Germany allowed Hitler to put Jews on train cars. They're going right past the church crying out for help. And the church's response was, well, that's the government doing that. And we're the church and our circle doesn't touch their circle. So let's just sing praise songs to Jesus louder. It's like, can anybody see there's something wrong there? Mm -hmm. And so the, the middle of the road is it's both. It's a personal experience with Jesus, but you want to be involved so your kids can have a chance to have a personal experience with Jesus. Because if you don't get involved, what they're teaching in the school is, is anti-Christian. Right. I mean, it's like the religion of Antichrist. They teach the kids uh, there is no God. But if he is there, he's messed up and he's putting men and women's bodies and you're made in his image. And I have to have operations and lifetimes of diapers and pharmaceuticals to make up for the fact that he's a messed up God. And if that behavior of sex outside of marriage is not sin, arguably there are no sins. If there's no sins, you don't need a savior. It is an anti-Christian message they're preaching and teaching to these kids. And yet they try to guilt trip Christians into being more Christian than Christ. If you're Christian, you will sit back and be silent while we teach your kids something that Jesus would never teach. Jesus said in the beginning, God made a male and female. And they're saying, well, if you're really Christian, you'll be silent while we teach them that, no, no, Jesus is wrong. There's 72 different genders or whatever. And so what do you say to people who think they're being holy when they are not involved? There's a uh, chapter in the Bible, Numbers 30. Half a dozen scenarios. One is if a daughter is still living in her father's house and binds herself with a vow. And the day the father hears it, if he's silent, her vows stand. But if he disallows it, she's released from the vow and the Lord forgives her. That's come down to us as vows in a wedding ceremony. And the pastor tells the church, if you're silent, you're giving consent to these vows. Well, if a church member's silence gives consent to wedding vows, it gives consent to other things. And if they're killing babies and you're silent, you're giving consent to killing babies. If they're teaching the trans agenda in the school and you know that Jesus said in the beginning, God made a male and female and you're silent, you're giving consent to teaching something other than what Jesus said. And Jesus says, if you're silent and allow one of these little ones that please me to stumble, better that a millstone be put around your neck, be thrown in the depths of the sea. So from a practical level, you know, how do we get our voice back, especially on the local level? What can we do as Christians to, to, to not just know that we should speak up, but to actually do it? Local, local, local. So the more power concentrates into fewer hands globally, God's counterbalance is to get more people involved locally, Mm. right? And so the idea is there are more people in a church, in the churches in a neighborhood, than vote in a school board election. 
It's like, just pick some mama bear and get all the churches to lay aside their differences and said, look, none of us are happy with what they're teaching. Let's just all agree on this mom and get behind her. And you can begin to change things. And then don't just vote her in. Fill up that school board meeting Every week, before they yeah. bust in people from uh, somewhere else to, to intimidate this new school board member. But you, you, you get behind them. And, you know, I tell people in America, the people are the king. And the and the the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. We pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic. A republic is where the people are king, ruling through representatives. We're basically pledging allegiance to us being in charge of ourselves. Mm. And so when somebody protests the flag, what they're saying is, I don't want to be the king anymore. I protest this system where I participate in ruling myself. It's like, okay, somebody else will tell you what to do. So it's an empowerment of the believer, not just to change your life and to change your family and to change your church. It's to change your community and to change the government. That, that that I don't believe Jesus says, you know, go into all the world, preach the gospel, you know, you, you change, but but don't go anywhere near the the government. That's off limits to you. He didn't say that. He said all the world, the Lord of all. Yeah. yeah, and so um, so I think it's an awakening going on, and people are, and when you tell them, you know, that your silence, the verse in the Bible, everyone knows, Leviticus nineteen eighteen, love your neighbor as yourself. The verse right before it says, confront your neighbor directly when they sin, so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Here they are loving each other as themselves, and they're confronting each other when they sin. What? It's a self-pleasing system. It's not, oh, just love them and love them. Yeah, they're doing all kinds of but wrong stuff. Because it turns stuff, into tolerance. Yeah. 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 And, and so if, if somebody's, you know, little kid's walking toward the street, you don't just say, oh, you're, you're walking so good. You're walking so good. Yeah, but you're going to walk into traffic and get mowed over. You, you say, Stop. Right. Jesus told the adults of woman, I forgive you, but go and sin no more. Well, we talked about your ministry uh, at the beginning and give us some more information about it, about the American Minute and other materials that you would suggest uh, for Christians and other Americans of conscience who, who really want to get their voice back. Well, hi, I'm thank you for asking that question. My website is AmericanMinute.com and I send out a daily email of something that happened on each date in American history, you know, Battle of the Bulge, Lewis and Clark, Apollo 13, and tell this, but I always weave in the faith. And you have, um, you know, D-Day and, and Eisenhower, uh, the general, but he, he, he says, you know, we will, uh, you know, through God, get the victory. I mean, they're, they're always mentioning God and the, the Revolutionary War, George Washington, and rivers rise, fogs come in and when they pray. And it's just reminding us of our, our Christian history, and so it's AmericanMinute.com. One book that I sort of refer to today is called Who is the King in America? And it's You Talk, the People. Yeah, give it, give us, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so it's, um, the, again, the most common form of government's kings. America's founders flipped it and made the people the king. So you, the listener to this program, you are the king in America. And, and so all of us together decide what the fate of the country is. It's taking the freedom of conscience, the freedom, the free will that God's given us in so many other areas, but we get to corporately exercise our free will by deciding who we want to be in office and what issues we want. And so it's not just a great blessing, it's a great responsibility, because if things go wrong, who's to blame? <laughs> us. And so um, so who's the king in America? Is we the people. And uh, so it's a great book, but I trace how unique America is in world history, and we begin to realize that Hey, you know, uh, every other country is sultans and czars and kaisers and khans and Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun. I mean, it's all top down kings ruling through fear. You do what the government's mandate says or you'll get punished by the government. America was a different one. We flipped it and we had the will of the people is the, right. the law of the land. 
Okay. Well, thank you. Do not abdicate your responsibility, your power, and your authority, because we need to take our nation back, and it really needs to be the church that does it so God gets the glory for this victory. And really, at this point, that's looking like the only way we're getting here, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it's going to be revival together with getting people involved. Amen. So go to AmericanMinute.com, AmericanMinute.com for all things Bill Federer. And specifically, check out all the different books that are there and materials that are there. But Who is King in America is the book that we've been talking about. Bill Federer, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you, Haim. Well, before we go, we want to tell you that Salem Media is having our yearly Women in Ministry Luncheon, and that's going to be August 22nd at the Creekside Event Center with special guest speaker Jennifer Jackson. If you're a local woman in ministry, we want to honor you. Yes, honor you. For more information and to register, it's free. Go to the Word FM. 100.7.com, the word FM, 1007.com to register. We also are looking for sponsors. If you would like to be one of the sponsors uh, of this event, we were where we are honoring women in ministry. Please give me, Haim, a call at 719-388-0386. I'll wait a minute while you get a pen. Okay, that's enough time. 719-388-0386 to get more information about being a sponsor for our 2023 Women in Ministry Luncheon. We hope that you will join us. Well, I'm Haim Goldman, The Watchman, and you've been listening to Partners in the Gospel on 100.7 FM, The Word. Catch all our episodes and podcasts on our website, thewordfm107.com. Com. Now, brothers and sisters, get out there and make an impact for the kingdom for such a time as this. Shalom. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.